Are you a professional woman who wants to create passive income streams and financial freedom through real estate investing? Join us here on Real Estate Investor Goddesses, hosted by Monique Holm. Listen to women who are rocking it in real estate investments as they share their stories of success, failures, and best advice in real estate investing. Start creating real wealth through real estate. Tune in today. Here's your host, real estate investor, syndicator, and developer, Monique Holm. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Holm. On this show, we interview badass, amazing women real estate investors, women who are crushing it in the real estate game. And our guest today is certainly no exception. I am super, 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 duper excited to have with us Maureen Miles. She's well known for being a leading real estate expert, speaker, and entrepreneur. And in the last five years, she's completed over $250 million in transactions, raised over $65 million in private equity, and purchased over 3,000 multifamily units. She is crushing it. She's also the founder and owner of an Atlanta-based property management company and the founder owner of a Southeast-based construction company. So she's created all these companies, so they're fully integrated for her multifamilies. Her diverse background and experience include everything from being a licensed realtor to a licensed general contractor. And she has extensive experience in renovation, capital improvements, insurance, tax, and title work. And she applies this exceptionally diverse real estate experience along with her network engineering background to develop, renovate, manage, and improve all types of commercial and residential investment properties. She's amazing. She's super busy. She's actually driving <laughs> or in the car. I'm actually driving. Going from your, to another market where she has 800 units right now. So I'm glad she's taken time out of her super busy schedule to be with us today. So welcome, Maureen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So... In this show, we share, have my guests share their stories about real estate investing. Tell us, how did you get involved in real estate investing? How did you start? Wow. Well, if you go way, way back, she's probably not, I was a teenager and somebody was flipping a house next to my grandfather's. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And they were getting in trouble from the city for leaving the job site a mess. And so one summer I got hired as I was just like a grunt worker, basically. I'd go around, clean up the job site after everybody left. And they'd pay me out know, 10 bucks an hour, whatever it was, probably five at the time, who knows. But that's what my first thing is like renovation and understanding real estate a little bit. And uh, this particular guy, he also had a couple multifamilies. They were smaller, like three unit deals. So that's my first kind of thing where, wow, this is a thing. That's kind of neat. Uh, he collected rent and I kind of understood just the basic concept of it. And I also learned how to do renovations. You know, eventually I was helping them install kitchens and I learned how to sheetrock and even helping with roofing jobs. And I would just kind of do that during the summer and myself, like I understand all the concepts and have probably touched everything to do with it at one point or another. I did that kind of as a teenager on and off. When my husband and I, we got married, we bought our first house, we bought a fixer up where we went ahead and fixed it up slowly while we lived in it. And then fast forward a few years, I had my corporate job. My husband had his job. Didn't have the greatest retirement. So I kind of went back to, we started this multifamily thing. If we were able to buy some smaller multis, we can pay it off over the years. By the time we're ready to retire, they'd be nice nest eggs for us and produce income. So that's where it kind of came from. And then at that point, which is 
at the height of the market, actually, in like 06, we actually started buying multis in Connecticut. And we would buy them, fix them up, and then we'd rent them or kind of flip them, depending on how the renovation went, how we felt about that particular property and things like that. So we did that for a few years. I knew that I was good at it. I understood it. I was good at the cost of renovating them, things like that. And then also, I mean, I learned myself how to lease. I remember being stressed out trying to lease my first unit and show my first unit. So I did everything myself while I worked my full-time job. You know, as far as leasing, we didn't have a third-party management company at the time. And I kind of got to a point where I guess we had about 30 units we were managing at that point. And I would kind of turn into a pumpkin in the afternoon and go work my network engineering job. I was in charge of an Asia division, so I had to work like Asia hours. So I was doing that during the day. So I was doing real estate during the day and then going over to my corporate job at night. And I just kind of hit a wall. I realized that I couldn't get more units with the time I had, but I knew that the only way to really kind of ever escape my corporate job was to get more units. And so I just kind of had this, I was faced with, I hit a ceiling. I had to make a choice. I did eventually, a package came at my job. I ended up leaving my corporate job and just devoting full time to real estate investing and knowing I wanted to go after the 100 plus unit sized properties. Well, that's how I got started and how I got started in the larger properties. Amazing. Okay. So I love this. So you like literally came next door to you (laughs) and you started as a teenager (laughs) getting into construction, which is not typical for a girl. And then you started to build this, got to about 30 units and then decided, okay, I want to jump big. And now what happened for you in 2008, nine, like during the dip and then Like, how did you get to where you are right now? Well, during the dip, I was okay. So we bought properties. Actually, I still have two of the properties that I bought back then. And because Connecticut still never really came out of that, screaming out of the recession, like the whole rest of the United States, it seems like did. Connecticut's still a kind of a funky market. I never lost or had any problems because I knew I had to buy on cash flow. Like if they didn't produce cash flow when I bought them, like I couldn't own them. So at that time, I think a lot of people were thinking that, things would just keep increasing and appreciation was what they were buying for. And that's really a roll of the dice as far as I'm concerned, because you really can't control the market. You can have expectations that things look good, but ultimately if that thing isn't producing cash flow and you're underwater when you purchase it, you could really be putting yourself in a tough situation. So that was what saved me is I never bought a property that didn't cash flow at the time of purchase. Some of them needed renovation and they were empty, but I knew that as soon as they were full, they would produce cash flow. So we had a lot that needed some sweat equity. You know, a lot of those were the ones that we purchased. And so just the cushion we were able to create at the time of purchasing after renovation gave us that time. So we were never like underwater with the property or ever had anything produce a negative cash flow, if that makes sense. Yep. That's great. And I love that. There are two things that I think are so important to highlight. First, Cash is king or cash is queen. So I'm always about buying for cash flow too. Some people they do this appreciation game, but that feels very speculative to me and more like gambling. So it's like I, a hot, hot potato game. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> definitely all about cash flow too. And the other thing that's very interesting that I think is important to point out because people focus on, they go, oh gosh, what's going to happen with the market with real estate? Are we due for this crash? It's important to highlight it's not one market. There are a reason to be, a reason 
every market, every sub-market has its own market cycle and different asset classes have their own market cycle. So certain places could be hot, hot, hot and super expensive. And other places like where you were investing in Connecticut might have been pretty flat or might even not have come out of the, of the slump that it was in before. So people shouldn't really look at like the, the U.S. or the whole country as one market, but really look at specific markets and sub-markets. And there are always opportunities to be found because it's not this one big Uber market like the stock market. Right. And it's so important to know your market and the market you're investing in. Because even though somebody in California has one situation, if you're in Florida or Ohio, it's going to be totally different. And they're in different cycles, different stages of the market cycles in these different areas. What I always say is you don't create the market, you work within the market. So you may have these fundamentals of properties you look for, and you might not be in the correct market to execute on those. So you really have to know the particular market you're in and what's going on and what's happening there. Yeah. So you're doing large multifamily now and you're mostly focused. So you were in Connecticut and now you're more in the Southeast. So tell us like, what markets are you in now? Why do you like? Yeah, I mean, typically the Atlanta MSA, and then we're also in Indiana as well. We are going into Tennessee. We have some smaller projects in Tennessee right now, looking to get into bigger properties in Tennessee as well. And why I like them, because the jobs are coming in. As long as the jobs are still on an in, like coming into that market, you're good. There's a lot of runway, I feel like, in those markets as well. You want to be sure that what you're buying, that the rent versus the cost makes sense and that you're able to, again, cash flow from day one. We, As much fun as this business is, I tell people, we don't want to buy for properties that are just going to break even. Like sometimes the brokers will tell you great stories about the potential, but it's like, well, that's great, but I need a property that's going to produce now, or there's a clear path. There's a clear reason. If, if they said, oh, there's there was a fire, so they're down on occupancy. Okay, that makes sense. We could fix the building and we can move on and it'll create occupancy and generate cash flow. But you just really have to be careful as the height of the market, some of these stories that people come up with of what can happen and what you're buying. You just have to know your numbers, understand what's happening in that market. And yeah, look for those signs. And that's part of the sign is jobs continuing to come into the market. Yeah. Number Job one. growth is huge. So I find that we learn so much more when things don't go well than we do when there's smooth sailing. So a question that I ask all of my guests is, what was your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? One of my, I guess, let me think here, the biggest mistakes, we just finished a giant renovation plan and going into it initially, we were using a property management company. This is right, this is actually one of the reasons that we started our own. And they were going to handle a lot of the capital. But then when I really zoned in on what they were doing, I should say I let go a little more than what I should have. I should have stayed more involved on that job. I ended up not only firing the property management company, but then firing four GCs after that, which also led to creating my own construction company. So I guess my tip for people or what to watch out for is to really be tuned in with don't rely on that third-party contractor or that third-party property management company. Make sure there's somebody on your team that you trust that has boots on the ground. I ended up spending a ton of time in Georgia. We got the property and the project completed and done okay, but it was only because I had this other knowledge I guess I could rely on. And we ended up pulling a bunch of people from Connecticut, a bunch of my family members 
my daughter was running that project for a little while. It was a, a beast to take on and we were able to do it. But for somebody new, it could have taken them out of the game. So you have to really, I'd say, make sure you understand the full scope of what's happening and don't just rely on somebody else, if that makes sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. that makes sense. You really think one of the, the main things I, I heard from you and it was a mistake that we've had is having very trusted boots on the ground. So somebody that's on the ground that you can trust. Yeah, (laughs) that's everything. (laughs) Your team is everything. (laughs) So they will make or break your make or break your deal, especially your property managers. Yeah, Um, make sure you have a backup. I mean, really, those come down to your property manager at at any location. You could take a great property and you put the wrong property manager in there, and that property will run terrible. Or you could take a really bad property and put the right manager in there, and it'll be awesome. So. It really comes down to the people running yeah. your portfolio. So what, now the flip side, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? I think getting this far and our ability to adapt. I have some really great people I work with. I never would have been able to do this myself. So not only my family pitching in when we needed them to, but also just the awesome people I work with. I never would have grown this bar by myself. So I am proud that I was able to get such a great team together. And I have these awesome people that are willing to work with me on a day to day and push each other further. And I'm also proud of the fact that uh, knock on wood, that we've never missed an investor payment been late with a distribution or fell short of a projection to date on anything. Wow, so that's awesome. that I'm proud of. Yeah. And that's something that we really we have some excellent team members that make sure reports always go out on time, that the money's always correct as far as distributions. And we just take that so seriously. And we understand the weight that we take on with investors. I think it's knowing that I know a lot of the investors personally now. When I first started, I didn't have money. My money's not from friends and family. Just to let everybody know, anybody could do this if you are tenacious enough and you know, you're willing to go out and get it. But I understand these, a lot of our investors worked for 40 years as an ambulance driver, or they were a police officer, or they were teachers, or so I think you can't take that lightly when investors trust you with their retirement or their kids' college money. And so I know that, my team members know that, and we take that very seriously. I think not every operator necessarily does. You have to be careful, but I'm sure, you, as you know, the investors trust you. They don't know so much about real estate, they're really relying on you. So I'm proud of the fact that we're able to get good deals that have always performed to date. So that's what I'm really proud of. Beautiful. And to what do you attribute your success? I'd say it's my knowledge. Like one of the things is growing up, I, and my, some of my team laugh about me. I had a million jobs where I've done tax returns, where I've done taxes, I've done renovation things. I've managed pet stores. Like I've had the craziest background of almost any kind of job you could imagine. So I think it's just that broad knowledge. And I kind of laugh sometimes that my whole life's journey, I think, kind of prepared me for what I do now because I can pull from just different experiences from different jobs, even from title search, title searches. I used to work for a company that did that. So I attribute that. And then also just like, we don't know the meaning of quit or tap out. We will do and And like some of these renovations, some of these repositionings, they get tough. When you're working with properties that were built in the 70s, 
or 80s and you run into things that were unexpected. You have to know, even if you don't know what to do, how to solve that issue. So I think it's that just being tenacious, having a great network of people as well with vast experience. You don't have to know everything yourself, but you have to know who to call. Just always been able to think out of the box and having a few plan. We always have like plan A through Z, I guess, before we even get started. I think that comes from the network engineering background where I already, we know how to summarize, break things down, what's important, what's not important. And if this doesn't work, we already have a plan for what's going to work next. So I think it's that troubleshooting ability that's been, that's made us successful as well. So great. So great. And two questions before we get to our famed end of show trinity. What advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field? Or what do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? I mean, as far as a a female starting out in this field, it is a male-dominated field. But I look at that as an advantage to us. I think I stand out. I'm a little bit more memorable when I show up. I'm not your average guy in a gray suit, as they call them sometimes, the gray suits, right? So I think I, you are a little memorable and kind of, I don't want to say like have fun. It's not always fun, but I think you just keep things light and people want to work with people that they enjoy working with. So, you know, always keep that in mind. Sometimes people are still competitive, competitive against the brokers or the other owners and it's win-loss and they like to play really hard, serious hardball, but it can be win-win and kind of trying to both look out. You want to sell your property. I want to buy your property. Let's come to an agreement and just kind of taking that approach as opposed to going in with full guns blazing, saying, how can I get the very last penny out of this seller and taking that approach? I don't think that works so well. So that'd be my advice is to just really try to understand what the other side wants, what you want, and how can we come to an agreement? It doesn't doesn't have to be a winner and a loser. Everybody can kind of get what they want out of it is what I would share. Beautiful. Such great advice. And what do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? is to trust your gut more, not hold on to people that you know shouldn't be part of your team. Like, be very careful who you associate with. I have had that, but there's people like I knew I was going to have to let them go, and I probably let them hang around a little bit longer or gave them maybe a few more chances. It's harder to pick up the pieces after them, if that makes sense. Kind of erodes your whole team sometimes, confidence, and you just want to be careful about your whole team. You have to make sure that the culture is correct. Pay attention to that. That's what I would say is just have your pulse on on the culture of your company, which is so important. Yeah, that's great advice. It's definitely, I heard you say this repeatedly, the importance of your team and having the right people on the bus in the right positions makes a big difference. Before we get into our Trinity, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Oh, the best way to connect is that through our website. Our website is www.4.com mrei.com so it's the number four m like maureen then real estate investment so four mrei.com is the best way to connect for mrei.com great and all right so time for your trinity what's one brag what are you celebrating one thing we're celebrating is our best year ever so in 2019 we're able to acquire about 1400 units and we sold about 1100 units yeah, my acquisitions director, I brought him into the company as a partner. And it's through his hard work, we're able to do a lot of that. So it's it's just having a great team and kicking butt. I mean, we worked a lot last year and it, it paid off. But again, love what we do and 
very happy for that success. Well bragged. And what's one thing you're grateful uh, for? Uh, grateful for, I'm grateful for just having the opportunity to do what I do. I'm, I do speak at events sometimes and I don't sell anything. I don't do coaching myself. I don't have any seminars or anything like that, but I love giving back and I'm grateful that I can shine the light on the path for others to know. I said, they don't teach this stuff in schools. You don't learn this. I didn't even know that there was such a thing until I was into my 30s that you can buy apartment complexes and pull investors in and do what they call syndication. So I'm very grateful that I have the opportunity to do what I do every day and provide value. And I just, I do, I absolutely love what I'm doing and I'm grateful that I get to do it. Beautiful. And last but not least, what's one desire? My desire is to like this year, we're trying to do have more, we're spending a lot of time right now structuring our company and our desire, my desire is to have things set up to run uh, really without me. Not that I want to come out of the business, but I want to know that my team, my people, my investors, everybody's safe, even if if something was to happen to me, if you would. So uh, I have no desire on retiring for a very long time, but we've already started the process, an EOS process. And doing some other things, bringing in some other team members, just to make sure that it can run even if, so I'm not the sole person running it, if that makes if that makes sense. So that's my desire. I'll sleep much better at night once all that's in place. Beautiful. Well, so shall your desire be, or so much better than you can imagine. Oh, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on to this interview. What's the best way for people to connect with you? That would be through the website. There's a reach out. It's uh, www.4mrei.com. So that's the number four. M like Mary, R-E-I, like realestateinvestments.com. 4M R-E-I. You can contact Marie in there, 4MREI.com. You can contact me, get in touch at REIGoddesses.com there. Find out about our event. Our Wealthy Real Estate event is happening April 17th and 19th in Los Angeles. Amazing women who are crushing it in real estate there as well join our investor group our real estate investor goddesses investor club where you can find out about passive investing opportunities so go to reigoddesses.com and join our community of women from all over the country and all over the world who are investing in real estate and creating passive income streams so thank you and join us next week for another real estate investor goddess interview thank you You have just listened to another episode of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, a show dedicated to sharing stories of women creating real wealth through real estate. If you found value on what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends. Visit us at reigoddesses.com to learn more about our programs and live events, as well as to access other resources. Until next time.